Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, we took a week off of doing the podcast um, for Thanksgiving. So I hope you guys all had like a wonderful holiday, spent a lot of time with family. Um, you know, gotta gotta just take it in, you know? Sometimes you just gotta take a break from your normal routine and everything that's going on and you just get refreshed. So I am back, I'm refreshed. Uh, it's like when you jump into the ocean and then you come out and you're all refreshed. Um, that was just a really poor attempt at a segue <laughs> into this week's guest. I am extremely, extremely excited to share the story this week of Catherine Breed. Um, Catherine is this absolutely astounding marathon swimmer uh, from California. She has taken on these epic open water swims um, for miles and miles. Uh, in this episode, we talk about a couple of her big journeys. Uh, specifically, we talk about her Monterey Bay record-setting 25-mile swim uh, full of all sorts of stuff that you would hope not to see in the ocean like jellyfish and, and all that fun stuff. <laughs> um, but we talk about it and I'm absolutely blown away. Swimming is not something I am skilled at. And even though I really enjoy it, there's something about like dipping your head underwater. You're not hearing anything. You're not really seeing anything. You're taken away from all distractions and I think that's unique and really special about swimming and the idea of doing it for hours upon hours upon hours in the ocean, which kind of intimidates me in and of itself. Um, you know, even if I jumped in and swam for like five minutes in the ocean, I feel that would be way outside of my comfort zone. Um, and the idea of doing it for hours and hours is just pretty mind blowing when I think about it. And that's exactly what Catherine does. That is her, her zone. That is her area. That's where she like excels and finds her passion. And so I'm super excited. I was so excited to sit down and talk with her and learn from her and kind of somewhat get to have a window into what that experience must be like. Uh, and it's awesome. It's super cool. So I am very excited to share this one with you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Hope it inspires this sense of adventure and exploration and pushing your limits and maybe even trying something new uh, in you. And, you know, we, we're, we're fast approaching the end of the year, which always kind of like is that chapter end, you know, like the end of a chapter in a book and then you can go on to the next one. But honestly why wait till the end of the year like if you're really passionate about doing something new or trying a new adventure or taking something on that you haven't before um that interests you just want just start like just start now don't wait uh you know you might as well just get going on it so uh hope you take that away from this episode so let's jump into it uh this is like a bigfoot podcast number 279 with the absolutely fantastic Catherine Breed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to talk with Catherine Breed. Uh, Catherine is a marathon swimmer, and I'm excited because I've never, I haven't had a marathon swimmer on the podcast before. So well, I'm, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I have so I read a few articles uh today in preparation. And one was about your big Monterey swim, which I definitely need to hear about. But mm -hmm. I have to start with this. And I apologize for a weird question. It said you swam through whale poop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what's funny about that is honest, everyone asks me about that. And they're so intrigued that I swam through whale poop. And for me, that was like the last three miles of my swim. And the last thing I cared about, you know, my, my career was pointing, they're like, that's whale poop. And I'm looking at them like, do you think I care? And then at, at 11 hours, do you think I care? 
but they, they got a good show and they got a laugh out of it. <laughs> well, that was kind of like, as I was reading the article and it mentioned that, that it was at the end. I'm like, there's no way she's even registering that at that point. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's Brown. All right. I'm not going <laughs> to die. <laughs> I have to just w- one specific question about it. Like, is it just a giant like cloud? I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know what whale like a, It was like a brown film on the surface, kind of foamy. <laughs> that's, that's about all I remember. <laughs> that's incredible. Okay. You're the also the first person on the podcast to swim through whale poop. So congrats. Yes. <laughs> um, can you kind of give us an idea of like what is marathon swimming? Like what what when you use that term, like what does that cover? Yeah, that's a good question. I suppose when I think of a marathon, I'm imagining something that's like two hours or more. Um, you know, that's pretty equivalent to running, I suppose. Um, so a marathon to me is like doing a 10 K swim, which is about six miles. Um, and then when you start getting in like the channel swimming range of about 20 miles and up, I consider that a little bit more ultra marathon swimming, you know, marathon running, ultra marathon running. Um, so I guess that would be kind of my definition of it. Um, it is open water, um, a lot of different ways that people do it, but the traditional, like by the books, English channel rules are bathing suit, one cap goggles, don't touch the boat. And, um, yeah. So I guess that's my definition I'm open water for a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, I am so amazed by it and like intrigued by the whole entire thing. Um, it's hard to even like imagine what it feels like to just be in the open ocean swimming along um, for us, like unexperienced. Can you kind of like describe that? Oh, swimming in the open ocean. Um it's this very cathartic activity, um, in the way that you lose a lot of your senses. Um, I do these swims through the night. So for example, Monterey, I couldn't see anything. I'm not smelling anything. I'm just hearing my splashing. I'm not feeling anything because I'm cold. So it's very much like you and your mind are moving through this abyss. Um, and, it's a moment where you have to be completely present in what you're doing. Um, you know, uh, like what are my arms doing? What are my legs doing? Where am I breathing? Am I going in the right direction? Um, there's not a lot of, you know, there is zoning out, but you're still aware of your surroundings. Um, but I don't know, being in the ocean, it's, it's scary. It's exciting. It's challenging. Um, it's yeah, it's invigorating. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty unique experience. Every time I go, I'm still like, I'm, I mean, I I'm in the water every single day and I still get excited that I'm in the ocean every single day. Is there something to like the idea of like, you're in this thing that is so much bigger than you, like, yeah, that kind of like takes you like, just gives you kind of a perspective that's unique hundred percent. I mean, oh my gosh. When you think about how vast the like Pacific ocean is, for example, or how deep it is, it's like, I'm this tiny, tiny, tiny little thing moving through it. Um, yeah, it's, it does put it into perspective, you know, that we're, our accomplishments are cool and it's awesome to push yourself. But at the end of the day, like, you know, there's, it's a huge ocean. Um, we're just one, one little piece of it. Yeah. Do you get the whole I I mean, I have to imagine it helps bring the idea of like the things you're in control of versus the things that are outside of your control. Like it just, it's such a crystal clear definition of that. Like I try to, I try to teach my seventh grade leadership class, like, you know, think about the things you're in control with and the things you aren't, but I'm like, jump in the ocean and then you'll know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Like nail on the head, a hundred like thousand percent. Yes. That that's why marathon swimming, open water swimming is like one of the most frustrating sports ever because (laughs) (laughs) I, I control my controllables, right? Like I train really hard. I stick to my training plan. I eat healthy. I build muscle. I'm in the gym. I get myself acclimated to the cold. I, have an amazing crew. I, you know, every single thing is dialed in that I can control. And then I show up for the day of a channel crossing 
and the wind decides it wants to be 12 knots the entire time which for people that don't know 12 knots is like white caps it's like all right cool (laughs) all my all my prep like thank goodness I prepared so I know I can handle it but like when I get in the water I I do want to go for records and I'm trying to accomplish that but it's it's honestly not it's my it's in mother nature's control whether I get the record or not really um because you you do need good to perfect conditions to even try to get something like that yeah wow so yeah, yeah, you can prepare as much as you want, but uh, Mother Nature is she's gonna win. <laughs> well, and it's it's that way in a lot of sports, but when it's the ocean, you're like, yeah. this is the ocean. It's the biggest yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have like, is there a certain moment during one of these swims where, how do I put this? You you aren't thinking anymore. Like I have a feeling when you first jump in, you have all these thoughts going through your head or whatever. And I know in ultra endurance stuff, there's a moment where you just become your movement almost. Mm-hmm. Um, does that like, does that happen to you? And like, if so, when in, into one of these big, like giant crossings, does that happen? Like how soon? Yeah. It's funny. You asked that I was at lunch with friends and I told them I was doing a podcast and they started asking and they're like, what do you think about? And I was like, honestly, nothing. And they're like, no, no, no. You definitely think about something. I was like, no, I don't like, so I would say when I first get in, there's just very much of a, like the adrenaline is hit, you know, it's dark. The fear is pretty high in the beginning of a swim. Um, before I just put it to rest that there's, um, big animals underneath me. Um, so I would say like for about 30 minutes, I'm like, you know, calming myself down. And then I go pretty blank for about the first four hours. And then just what are my strokes? How do I feel? Okay. Feed head back down. And I don't talk to my crew. Um, there's no communication for that first four to five hours. Um, and then at the five hour mark, I allow myself like a one minute break and we'll check in and we'll all talk like, where are we? What's going on? Um, and then it's kind of, I just go back into, you know, um, you know, just being in that being present in the moment. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think about much. If I, if it gets hard, I think about challenges I've been through in life, um, which are (laughs) many. Um, I think about the training swims that I've done that are harder maybe than what I'm doing or the ones that have prepared me for that moment. Um, sometimes I'll go through lists of random things, but really it's, you, you get in a place where you're not thinking, and it's so hard to explain unless you've been there yourself. Um, James Iron Cowboy, he talks about it a lot too. Like he goes into that place of like blackness or darkness. It's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think about anything. Um, he talks about that. You have yeah. to, it's, it's self-preservation. I mean, really, you're not going to be able to do that if you're thinking about every single pain and movement and motion and you've, you've got a blackout. Yeah. Or like how far you have to go still. Or... Totally. Yeah. Have you, totally. have you had moments of weakness where you emerge from the water for that one minute and like, how are you doing? And you're like, not good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I don't get on the boat, obviously. Um, there's no touching the boat or getting out, but, um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I totally have moments of weakness, but I'm very, um, I'm very aware of like my personality is I will get through it. So for me, I tell my crew, this isn't going well. And then I put my head down and keep going. And for me, it's just like, I'm not going to quit. Uh, there's probably nothing major they can do to help me, but I'm just voicing it. It's like, all right, it's out there. They know they can anticipate what I need on my next break, which will be 30 minutes later. And it could be, I need more food or I need less food or I'm seasick or I need ibuprofen. Um, and then you just, you know, one stroke after another. Yeah. It just kind of amazes me. Like I told you I've done like ultra running and stuff like that. And if you're not having a good moment in ultra running, you can sit down, you can stop, you can lay down and cry, whatever. But in this, like, there's no stopping the movement once you're going. Right. I view it as, I mean, I can't speak for ultra running because I've never done it, but the way I view it is if I have a stomach ache or if I'm seasick or if I'm tired, it's not my muscles that are breaking. 
Yeah. You know, if I've, I've swam, if I, I did Tahoe length, length of Lake Tahoe. I got a hip flexor cramp 45 minutes in and, um, you know, I, I did get the record on that one. And in my head, I was like, this really hurts, but I was like, my muscles are still working. Yeah. So when I'm uncomfortable, when I'm in the moments of weakness, it's like, all right, is it a muscle thing? Am I injuring myself? Nope. Then keep swimming as if nothing's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. You just go with the Dory <laughs> method of just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Yeah. Accurate? I do sing that a lot. <laughs> Dory's my role model. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. She has to be. Um, so I didn't do a little research, read a little bit about your background. I know you're like a competitive swimmer, um, through college and things like that. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of like give us an idea of like growing up, was this something that you dove right into adventure or was it something you found later in life? Yeah, I, so let's see where to start. So growing up, I was a water baby. I mean, my parent like couldn't keep me out of the pool. Um, so the water was always very comfortable to me and it was my happy place. Um, during my like middle school, late elementary and middle school years, our family had a sailboat in the bay and we had it like we were out every weekend on it. We had it in French Polynesia for a couple of years, uh, Mexico for a while, Hawaii, New Zealand. So my childhood that I remember, you know, was in the water. Yeah. It was in the ocean. Um, and it was a very like intimate place for me. You know, it's like, I feel like the ocean raised me a little bit, maybe not as much as someone who literally grew up on the beach, but, um, and then when swimming took off, uh, you know, boat days ended because I was at swim meets all the time and I uh I went to Cal so swam there for four years and when I graduated um you know all thanks to my coach Terry McKeever I still loved the water I think a lot of college athletes get burnt out but she always preached for us to be strong women and to have fun so I left Cal still liking swimming um and I joined an open water club in San Francisco called the Dolphin Club And I started doing some of those club swims and people were like, you're kind of good at this and you can tolerate the cold. You should do the English channel or whatever. Um, and I was like, uh, no, I hated swimming the mile in college. I'm not going to do a 21 mile swim if I didn't (laughs) even want to swim one mile. Uh, but I don't know enough peer pressure. You say yes. And so Lake Tahoe was my first one. And then I've done, you know, two or three marathon swims every year since. Wow. That's so That's so crazy. Well, drawing back to like being, you know, on a boat and like just always being on the water. Is that that lifestyle of just like, I don't know, it seems so like freeing and like traveling and all that. Is that does it live up to what I'm imagining? I guess it's oh, gosh. I mean, it's been so many years since I've sailed, but I do remember it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> what do they say? The, the best boat is the one your friend owns. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Oh my but God. It, I grew no, up on a boat a... on the Mississippi all the time. Not the same, but, <laughs> yeah. but I have to no. imagine that part is similar. It was awesome. I mean, the memories I have, like, like family growing up was, had a lot of tough moments but that was like definitely a highlight of my childhood and memories my sister and I have um you know and I I do I do think about those times um so yeah it it is incredible and adventurous and yeah it, it was it was very special so I'm grateful to have had those opportunities yeah I think the opportunities as a kid is important even if you don't enjoy them in the moment as a kid Um, because it, it kind of just shows like, oh, this, this is like, you can do this in the future. This might be something you might like, you know? Yes. Yep. Yeah. We were, I mean, we were adventurous as a family, but I don't know. I feel like I've just like, as an adult, it's been so much fun for me owning a lot of my adventures and getting into new things. And, um, yeah, I mean, anything outdoors (laughs) yeah no oh my gosh yeah exactly well what uh what drew you into like what was it about swimming that you just like loved or connected with I honestly don't know I mean it goes back to when I was four years old apparently I went to three practices a day (laughs) no way that wasn't wasn't my mom like dropping me off and like oh coach this is like daycare for us it was like I wanted to go and I would go to the older kids practice and swim in the like little side lane yeah um 
I, I could, I couldn't tell you what it is that drew me to the water. I think there's even now, I don't, I don't really know what it is besides I feel like a child and it's, I feel weightless and, um, it's, it's, it feels like my safe place. And it's funny that a place that can kill you, I mean, really like I'm, I'm getting into big wave surfing. I'm swimming in the ocean. Like literally the ocean can kill you. And it's like, that's my safe place. That's my happy place. And, um, yeah, I I'm never happier than when I'm in the water. So I, I don't know where it came from. I don't know when it started. It, it's just always been there. Yeah. I like how it removes like all your other senses. Like yeah. really it does. And it's yeah. just strange in that sense. Yeah. And I'm like running, like, it's not like I have headphones in or my phone or yeah. cars that I have to worry about. It's just, you know, you're just out there. Yeah. Just speaking, I have to ask this then, since you said big yeah. wave surfing, have you seen 100 foot wave? Uh, everyone's asked me that. No, I haven't watched Dude. it. I know, I know, oh my I gosh. Know. It is so <laughs> like mind blowingly good. It is yeah. crazy. And in the weirdest way, when you're watching it and they catch one of these giant waves, even like as a viewer who's never surfed before, you're just like, oh, like it's relaxing. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's it's so cool watching them on those waves. So yeah. cool. And you've been getting into surfing then. Yeah, I've been surfing for um, I've been surfing very poorly for about <laughs> eight years. And then I don't know, last year, November, you know, things really started clicking for me. Um and it's like, oh, I, I know how to surf now. <laughs> um, and it's, it's been fun. So this is like my second season doing big wave stuff. Um, and I just find it very complimentary to my swimming and, yeah. and a, you know, fun way to train. Yeah, no, that's so yeah. cool. Um, I, okay. So I want to kind of get into the Monterey Bay swim a little yeah. bit, if that's okay. Of course. Um, yeah. So this is just kind of what I was reading online. So it was 25 miles. Yep. And you completed it in 12 hours, 53 minutes, breaking the 42 record. 42 minutes. Oh, 42. <laughs> I know that one is wrong. <laughs> I'm crossing that off. Monterey News <laughs> Tribune or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So what was it about that specific crossing that made you want to like take it on? Oh gosh, that crossing. I mean, for one, it's in my backyard. Okay. Um, that crossing really scared the um crap whale out poop. of me. Oh yeah, okay. scared scared the whale poop out of me. <laughs> um <laughs> I I've done the North Channel and that's Ireland to Scotland and that one I know is cold and has jellyfish. I've you know I've done other swims in the bay, but Monterey has everything. It's got the tw- it's 25 miles, it's a really long one, it's got the cold that happens in the middle of this channel. Um, cause there's a mile deep trench. You've got, um, the sharks are a big concern. You've got jellyfish. So Monterey really is like all encompassing a very difficult swim. So I don't know, last year with COVID, I wasn't really planning. I couldn't travel to do any swims. So I was like, you know what, maybe maybe this is the year to, to do this. Uh, so I think it was like in June or July, I called up my friends and I was like, I'm like, my training's been going well. I'm ready to like ramp it up and get a swim on the books for September. Um, so it was a pretty quick thing. It wasn't like I had been planning it for years. Um, I was like, no, I, I want to, I want to do a swim this year. And that's the one I chose. What were your friends' reactions? Are they just used to it by now? Yeah. Yeah, they are. (laughs) They are. You know, now the question is like, Oh, what are you doing next year? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are these like friends from your swimming team when you're in college? Um, I don't, yeah, I've got like so close with a lot of the girls I swim with at Cal. Um, I swim at the Olympic club in San Francisco. So that community and the dolphin club community. So, um, the swim community, I'm sure like the ultra running community is quirky and very (laughs) tight knit. So um yeah we're all pretty close it do do people like egg each other on they're like yeah go do it you should tell totally egg it. people on <laughs> <laughs> you should totally do it yeah oh my god i i egg people on all the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay well so oh, man 
I, I didn't want to ask about sharks until I read the article. And then I'm like, yeah, I feel like okay. everyone probably asks her about sharks all the time. Like they, they live there. <laughs> they live there. I, yep. so I started recently seeing these videos from like drones of people swimming, like bay swimming. And there's just, and it is what it is. I'm sure it's happened forever. Right. Just yeah. sharks appearing and they kind of like look at them and then they disappear and yeah. You know, it's just part of being in nature and being in their environment. It's probably the same, like if you're, you'd mentioned before we started recording, you went out to the Wasatch 100 run, mm -hmm. like you're out there, like animals are popping in, looking at you and you don't even probably notice. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I, I try to tell people like, it's something you're aware of, but shouldn't put you off of the activity because it's so rare that anything would happen. Totally. I mean, yeah. In my, in the past year yeah in the past year I mean I've had three run-ins with great whites past year and a few months you know one of them was really close for comfort swimming um you know another two were surfing uh but it's like it, it's their home um yeah it's scary uh but I I don't know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop doing it for the fear of that. Um, I mean honestly we all have a higher chance of like dying in a car accident. Um, yeah. I know that sounds bad, but yeah the sharks are there. Um, I don't know I don't I try not to give it too much thought. It's not gonna prevent me from doing anything, but um, the the fear is there and I think it's a healthy fear. You know it means yeah. my prey senses are working <laughs> <laughs> right is that a thing <laughs> i think so that's a good way to describe it because i feel yeah. the same way running sometimes i'm like yeah like i go run and before the sun comes up like of course i have a little bit of fear but it's a healthy yeah. like it's it's healthy and you know yeah. logical you know yeah but you just said you had three run-ins with great whites like super nonchalant and I'm yeah. just, I'm in a landlocked state. I'm in Colorado. And I'm like, when I say a run in, I don't mean like they hit me. It was more of, you know, one came up within three to four feet of me. Another the one same. Was That's saw the same. 10 yards away. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I've gotten bit. <laughs> That's the same. Like just being that close though. I don't yeah. what, I mean, how do you even process, process it in the moment? Are you just um, like, honestly, I think it's just, it's kind of like, oh, okay um think about it for a second what do I need to do and then just you know either get out of the and then just get out of the water I mean I think sharks are pretty misunderstood yeah. um I I don't think a great white wants to come eat a pasty white swimmer moving through the water they're more like what is this thing splashing yeah, they're just checking it like being they're like just, huh, they're curious yeah, they're just checking it out so I don't know <laughs> yeah no I mean wow okay Oh, I just am trying to imagine what it would be like to have one show up. It would be so outside the norm of like normal life for me. I don't yeah. even know. I just, and then also I've been trail running. I've almost stepped on like a copperhead snake in Virginia. Oh, gosh. And I yeah. just, I had the worst reaction. I like made a weird noise and like fell down for a second. I'm like, that's not what <laughs> I'm supposed to do. It doesn't seem to fit into fight or flight. No, I'm like, that's Freeze? just give up, I guess. So I'm like, if I saw a shark and that was my reaction, I would be in the water. That wouldn't be good. But, that's awesome. But no, so when I was reading that article, though, it, it was mentioning these ideas like shark shield, shark repellent. Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, can you kind of describe that? Yeah. Stuff? Yep. So there's things called shark bands and those emit uh, electromagnetic waves okay. Um, okay. and that interferes with the shark's navigation system. And then I had one um, called a shark shield and that one's quite a bit beefier. Um, and that one emits uh, electric, I don't know, electronic waves or something and also interferes with their navigation system. So I had the bigger one on my paddle or I had the shark band on my ankle. Okay. Um, uh, is there a true science behind it? I, I don't know. They've, they've done experiments and um, it shows to work with yeah. certain species of sharks. Uh, do I think it's going to work with a great white that ambush attacks? No. Yeah. Um, does it make me feel better? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's kind of what those are. Nice. And then the other big concern, like animal wise was jellyfish. Can you kind mm -hmm. of like, I know just from reading stories from open water swimmers, 
it always seems that in these big swims, there are jellyfish encounters and jellyfish stings and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I had like the North channel, the jellyfish are really bad actually. Mm. Um, and I had a friend get hospitalized from those stings. Um, on that swim, I saw probably like a hundred of them. I only got stung once. Um, and Monterey, I got stung. I got stung probably 50 plus times, um, all on my arms, but this is going to sound crazy, but when you're, everything else hurt way worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, so the jellyfish thing was almost like a welcome distraction at the end. It was like a cat scratch, which I'm like, I can handle this. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Oh, all right. There's another sting. I mean, I wasn't like going out of my way to get stung. Um, but the one that scares me a little bit is a Portuguese man of war sting. Um, but I don't know, going back to, you know, what I said before, it's like, my muscles aren't being affected. So yeah. you just acknowledge that the pain's there and keep moving. Yeah, no, that's, that's like the athlete mindset though. Like, I feel like you've probably developed that over years and years. Yeah. I think I developed it more after college. You know, part of me is like, maybe if I had this mindset while I was a college swimmer, I would have gone further in my whole career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think these swims make you tough, um, yeah. doing long things that you have to be in your head, doing ultra events. Like you really do develop a dip, like grit, um, in like the most extreme sense of the word. Um, yeah, you, you have to know who you are. Like you have to know who you're going to become four or five hours in eight hours in 20 hours into something like, who am I going to be? How am I going to react when, um, things go south? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, are, are you like, while you're doing this, are you combating self-doubt at all? Like, I know we kind of mentioned it and like, not only just self-doubt in the water, but does that kind of, cause I feel like you're pretty confident. It sounds like you're pretty confident going into these swims. And yeah. does that like follow you? Like when you're done, is that a lesson you take away? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think I, like, I do carry pride with me knowing that I've done some tough things and knowing that like, I, like I'm like in a humble way, like I'm proud of myself for having done that. Like, yeah, it's, it's cool to test yourself. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I have confidence in my swims, um, because I, I train to, I train so that when I go into the swim, like the only thing that's pulling me out is if I go unconscious or if a shark is there really. And it's, yeah. or, you know, my crew needs me out of the water, but like, I'm not, I, I'm trained enough to know that I, I can do this unless something unforeseen happens with that said though. I mean, there are I would be lying if I said there weren't moments in my swim where I was like, I would love if a shark came up right now and forced this to end, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but no, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, self-doubt during the swim. I think it's more just combating like the, the hard moments, the lows, but I don't, I don't know if a low to me is the exact same thing as having self doubt, um, yeah, that I'm that not going to maybe like to some people it is. Um, and then throughout my life, I think as I've embraced the open water swimming more and more, yeah, it's given me confidence and, you know, it's given me confidence in a sense of, I mean, I don't want to talk about like body image, but like, I'm a six, one female that has shoulders, like a basketball player, you know, because I'm, I'm swimming. And as I've grown up, I've actually come to like, love that my body looks the way it is. Not because I actually am like, Oh my God, it looks great. But it's like, I did something amazing. Like my yeah. body as a tool accomplished this because it looks this way. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, uh, yeah, I think doing the swims have given me a sense of pride and like in what I look like and my muscles and the way I have probably a little bit of a natural physique for it. Um, and I think being a young woman, it's really hard to find that. Um, so yeah, I don't know gave yeah. me that <laughs> yeah, like you walk into a room and you're like if this room was a boat and this boat sunk i'm gonna be able to swim us to safety 
Yep. If this airplane goes down flying to Hawaii. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, and I'm trying to remember you, you mentioned it before and I should have written down, but, uh, when you, Oh, Uberman, when you swam, I think that's how I first became aware of like what you were accomplishing. Um, because I'm a huge fan of James Lawrence, the iron cowboy. He's a, I mean, what he's able to do has been incredible. Um, and I know you joined him for, um, this big event. If so, can you kind of describe like what that was? Yeah. So the Uberman event is it's, it really is an individual event, but it's an ultra times 10 ultra distance triathlon. You swim 21 miles from Catalina to Rancho Palos Verdes. You bike 400 miles to Death Valley. Uh, and then you run the Badwater course, which is 135 miles from Death Valley to, uh, Mount Whitney trailhead. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember the elevation gains, but I know it is a lot. You're a starting lot. from the lowest point and going up a pass and then going yeah. back down to a low point and then you go up a pass and then you keep going up. Yeah. yeah. You're just going up and up, you know, you just, yeah, keep going up. Yeah. That's insane. So what was that experience like? Oh my gosh. It was so fun. So I met <laughs> I, real quick. So I met James, I did Otilla. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's like yeah. a swim run event. So I did that in February and was randomly sitting at a table and James was there with Casey and I don't know, I kind of knew who he was. I think I'd seen the 50, um, the documentary or something. And I just, and I had heard about the Uber man and I was like, wow, I'd love to do that, but I can't run or bike, um, very well. So I asked him at the table, I was like, have you ever thought of this or have, are you going to do it? And he was like, yeah, I would, but I don't know if I could do the swim. And I was like, do you want to do a relay? He had no idea who I am. He like, he, he didn't know who I was. And he was like, can you swim that? I was like, yeah, I can swim that far. So he was like, all right, you know, send me my, send me your email. We'll see if we can put something together. And yeah. I don't know that the, the cog started turning and we um, got the team together. And um, so Casey was our runner, James, obviously the cyclist. And um, yeah, it, it was, it was so fun because everything got canceled last year, yeah. but we were still able to come together and do this event because it's, you really are kind of by yourself. So I did the swim. Um, and it was one of the hardest swims I've done actually, because we, we wanted to time the swim to time, like when James was going to start to time when Casey was going to start. So usually yeah. with my marathon swims, like I would wait for good conditions to go. Oh. Um, but we were like, I got to start at midnight no matter what, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was pretty wavy and windy and I swam about an hour slower than I wanted to, um, you know, and got seasick and I was like, so sad. And I was like, okay, I'm probably disappointing them and whatever. Um, but anyways, after that, I caught up to them in the van and then I became the crew member yeah. for the other 60 hours we were together <laughs> <laughs> you probably it probably was nice to get your event out of the way first so you weren't nervous about totally, it totally yeah. totally totally I think the hardest thing for me was like I did that swim through the night and then got in the van and immediately started helping so I didn't oh. sleep until like the second day in the afternoon I just started getting a bloody nose and was like totally delirious and they're like you need to take a nap <laughs> I, like, yeah, I think I do <laughs> um, um. I think I like the idea of doing like a team activity because through each other's experience, you're probably all like taking away lessons, like learning from each other. What kind of stuff did you learn from them? Oh my, I can't even put it into words. Watching, watching James do anything in person is hands on one of the most inspiring things ever. Um, yeah. He biked 400 miles under 28 hours and took a seven minute break. That was it. That's um, crazy. And it, the thing is, is he has, he's so grounded and has such a good head on his shoulders. And there, there really weren't a lot of ups and downs. There was yeah. moments where he was happier and moments where he was maybe a little more uncomfortable, but I mean, he kept himself so level headed the entire time. Um, and that's, you know, really commendable. Cause I think a lot of people, you can have these huge swings over that amount of time. Um, 
And then Casey, I mean, Casey, I think the farthest he'd ever run was like a 50 K maybe a 50 miler what? and he's coming in to run 135 miles That's of the crazy. bad water course. And he started in the middle of the day. He, he ran through the heat, like the bad water course. Like when they start, they start to optimize for nighttime. Yeah. No, Casey ran it in like the worst part of the day. <laughs> um, I mean, we saw everything from him puking to other things to struggling and he still was making us laugh and he still trudged on. And I, you know, for me, it just shows like humans are capable of really, really amazing things. If we can like allow our minds to think that we're capable, um, and to push through the pain. So being with that whole crew and, and Aaron as well, you know, Aaron was such a good crew member. Um, and it really shows the importance of like having a team and having the right people behind you because ultra sports, ultra events, like are a hundred percent a team effort. You can't do anything longer than four or five hours by yourself. You need a team, you need someone to help you. Um, so I don't know. I, I really valued my experience there and getting to watch these guys do this firsthand. Um, I'm going to take that with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Do you think, um, there were lessons that they learned from you? I mean, I know like they're like big (laughs) endurance athletes and all that, and you'll probably want to be humble, but I'm sure you taught them things along the way too. I, I, yeah, I mean, gosh, I don't know. I'd I'd have to ask them. I think, yeah, for them, you know, they, they think the idea of swimming for 10 hours is crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but I, my part was 10 hours. Your guys was like two and three times longer than that. Um, something I told Casey, uh, you know, is during my swims, cause they are at night, there's a lot of stars or bioluminescence in the water. And when things get hard, I think about like who I'm doing it for, or who's inspired this or, what women um, have broken the ceiling above me to allow me to do these things or what causes I hope this inspires. Um, so I just know Casey was like running through the dark and he was kind of down. And I just was like, look at the stars, like just yeah. think about all the people in your life and like personify the stars as like those people. And I don't know if that was a takeaway for him, but that was like a cool moment for both of us. Cause I was running through the night with him for a little bit. Um, yeah. And that was a cool moment. That's really cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Cause then you're kind of <clears throat> accepting that you're really small in the world, but also that your relationships and like the people, you know, are like bigger concepts, you know, and kind of drive yeah. you forward. Um, real quick to kind of wrap up. I do want to hear, you told me that you crewed for the Wasatch 100 Yeah. and I want to get your perspective because you've you said you're not an ultra runner, but I'm like, dude, you did like 20 miles. Like that's pretty legit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was my friend, Billy Bennett. Um, and he and his wife have known for a while. They live in Salt Lake. Um, you know, and he was supposed to do Wasatch last year, got deferred to this year, but, um, it, it was interesting being like a crew member for a run because I yeah. was really nervous that like, I wasn't going to be able to keep up or something. I'm like 25 miles is so long for a water person. Um, but I mean, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I mean, it made me want to do an ultra run. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think what's hard about crewing for an ultra run is like, you can talk the entire time. Whereas in the swim, it's like, they only get a few seconds during my feeds. So I was like trying to, figure out when do I talk? When do I not talk? Oh <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. You know, like when do I support or push or how much do I push? But yeah, um, I, I mean, I had a blast. The run was hard for me for sure. Like I felt like I ran a trail marathon and he of course like negative split the whole event and did, <laughs> he did incredible at mile 30. I think he thought he was going to quit because he had some GI issues Yeah, and then just kept pushing and totally flipped a switch and ended up I mean, his effort was definitely negative split and it was, it was really beautiful to watch, um, to watch him go through those highs and lows over 30 hours. Yeah. What, um, was there any like surprising similarities? Cause obviously there's a lot of similarities between the two. I I have to imagine, but was there anything that surprised you? Like, Whoa, this is exactly like one of these swims. 
Yeah, I think exactly. You know, I think um, the feeding, you know, obviously like making sure you're staying on track and staying on top of your feeds and your nutrition is important in any activity. Um, And then uh, the idea of just keep moving forward. Uh, You know, that that seems pretty obvious, but really, um, I think the main thing with Billy is he just kept kept moving forward and the same with swimming like I can't float or I can't stop moving or I'll sink and with trail running or those ultras I think it's really important no matter how small or slow your steps are to just just keep moving forward and you're going to get there eventually yeah we need a Disney Pixar character to tell us that though we need like Uh, a good one yeah I know who who does that I don't even know it would be like the dude from up like the old guy from up like just keep running you're like oh Thanks, old You'll get to up. Paradise Falls eventually. Yes. Oh, the best one. I cried so much. I know. All of them. So sad. There's yeah. some, I'm like, I legitimately can't watch Inside Out. So side oh, note. Gosh, really cool. I know. I know. I, I've watched it twice and both times, not just crying, but like about to have an emotional breakdown <laughs> because you know, the part where the kid they're in like the memories that are disappearing. Yeah. She looks exactly like my daughter. And oh. when I was watching it, my daughter was like two and a half or three, like the same age as the memories that are disappearing. And I just looked over. And I'm like, she's not going to remember any of this. And then I'm like, ah, I know I it's it makes you cry because it's so realistic. You know, it is. It's, it's yeah, especially as you're an adult, too. You're like, oh, I feel this. Like the, the kids don't understand it yet. No, they they're don't. not jaded. <laughs> no, I'm going to be like, Hey, when my kid gets, grows up, I'm like, I like about went into the other room and wept because of this movie. <laughs> um, but anyways, last thing, last question that I have, like, I'm just really curious about this because you've maintained a passion for swimming through all of these years where burnout could have easily happened and would have been totally understandable. Yeah. What what kind of strategies do you have for people trying to like, you know, fight burnout or like keep a passion up for anything really, not not just like an athletic activity? Yeah. Um, I'd say anticipate your rest days. Uh, you know, plan them. Um, balance is key. Um, and knowing knowing when to take a step back, you know, taking us, I took this year off. I didn't do a single swim this year and I had the best time I surfed and I mountain biked and I said yes to staying up too late instead of training in the morning. And it was amazing. And there was, I got back in the water a few, like a month ago and I was like, oh, I'm ready to be back. I'm, I'm ready for a big year next year. Um, so for other people, you know, to, to watch out for burnout, I would say just life short, have fun, do other things. Um, our coach used to say your heart doesn't know if it's swimming or not. So I think a lot of people get caught up in their training, um, making it very homogenous. And I think you can still work out by switching it up, by having fun, by getting outside, by having, you know, um, that you know those are that's what's kept my head on straight is I've had a lot of different activities that I do and I I view them all as different forms of training and find takeaways in all of them you know if I'm doing a long backcountry ski it's like all right well I'm working out for six hours that's how long I'll be swimming for um so yeah I don't know I think mix up your workouts have fun with it rest and balance that's such good advice that's awesome well where can people kind of like follow along with your journey as you get back in the water and, you know, take on all the awesome stuff you have coming up. <laughs> yeah. My Instagram is beyond the black line and that's kind of, uh, uh, you know, going beyond the black line of the pool and pushing yourself outside of the little concrete box we put ourselves in. Yeah. So beyond the black line underscore. Um, and then I have a website. I don't post as much as I should on it, but you can contact me and read some of my blogs, which go more in depth in these stories. And that's uh, just beyond the Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for spending some time and sharing your stories. It's awesome. Of course. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah. Sorry. I asked about whale poop to start. <laughs> no, it's okay. Everyone does. It's, it's funny. It is kind of funny.
Alrighty, that wraps up this week's show. Um, thank you so much to Catherine. You can follow all of her adventures at Beyond the Black Line. And I think that kind of means to me when I read that, and I think obviously like the black line is part of in a swimming pool, you know, and Catherine's taking it beyond that. But I think it's the idea of like pushing beyond your comfort zone, right? Like a swimming pool can be comfortable. It's temperature controlled, you know, it's full of chlorine to kill off bad stuff and to give me very bad allergic reactions. Uh, <laughs> which I have a story there. I'll tell you in a second. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the pool is a controlled environment. Once you get into the ocean, once you get into a lake like Lake Tahoe and you're swimming across it, you can't control that now. You can't control those obstacles, which Catherine talked about in our conversation. She talked about the things that are outside of her control and how you kind of just have to give over to complete acceptance at that point. And I mean, really, when I reflect on just adventures in general, I think that's my biggest takeaway besides like the passion, besides the excitement and and all of that and the fun times and just the peace that you find from being away from distractions. I think the big lesson that I've learned is the whole idea of controlling the controllables, controlling what I can control and not really worrying about or not not worrying i would say not really stressing about what i can't control right like i guess you can not worry but you can prepare for some of the uncontrollables like weather or animals and things like that um but not stressing about it like be prepared for it but but don't get upset when the weather's bad. Don't get upset when it's too hot out or the water's too cold or, you know, you run across <laughs> a whole bunch of jellyfish. That was actually the part that blew my mind talking to Catherine when she said she went through a bunch of jellyfish towards the end of her swim and they were stinging her and it was just a welcome relief from the other pain. And that's when I knew that ultra running and marathon swimming they just they just bring out this different <laughs> different kind of relationship with pain at that point um which is absolutely astounding uh but the idea of not worrying about the things you can't control and when you're in the ocean there's you're in the thing like you're <laughs> that's the thing that blows my mind i'm like you're in the biggest thing you're in the ocean there's so much you can't control in the ocean um and so that lesson has to be just crystal clear uh to anyone who who jumps in um and speaking of jumping in me and my family just got back we were lucky enough i didn't know if i was going to go up until like a couple days before um, because of like COVID restrictions and stuff. We were lucky enough to go on a trip with uh, my wife's family that's been rescheduled like three or four times up until this point uh, to Hawaii. And I've never been there. Uh, in fact, I kind of feel guilty because I realized I've been married to my wife for, I should probably know this off the top of my head, for 11 years now. Um, and I've never taken her to a tropical vacation and I felt bad about that. I was like, oh, no. How? Like, we've never gone tropical before. Um, but I'm happy to say we actually got to go down to Hawaii. We got to have all sorts of adventures. I saw so many animals that I've never seen before. Uh, dolphins. Um, those little, like, flying fish things that, like, jump out. And they're, like, like, floating in the air. And you're like, whoa, dude, what is that? And my kids thought they were fairies, which was you know, kind of mind blowing to a, to a five-year-old, uh, but also at the same time, simultaneously mind blowing to a 34 year old. I'm like, Whoa, they do look like fairies. And then we like high five and stuff. Um, and then on a trail run, an animal I never thought I'd see on a trail run, but I saw a whale. Like I was coming down this, uh, kind of like all over this volcano, like this volcanic rock, there was no trees, um, so you just see the ocean and then I just see like 
a giant ripple in the water. I'm like, what is that? And it was a freaking whale. And I sat there and watched it. And I'm like a dude from Iowa, you know, like I'm not used to seeing whales. I'm sure if you live near the ocean, you're like, yeah, dude, we see, yeah, yeah, we see whales all the time, man. Um, but I don't see whales all the time. So that was awesome. So now I got to add a, like a humpback whale to my animals I've seen trail running list, which I do have. I have a list of animals I've seen trail running and there's a quite a bit of them. Um, and then I saw the coolest thing. This is just me recapping my trip. So apologies. Um, but speaking of jellyfish, there was a jellyfish. We we're at the beach. It was this giant purple one floating around. And I'm like, whoa, it's a jellyfish. Got my nephew out of the water so he didn't get shocked by the jellyfish. And then all of a sudden, a sea turtle comes in out of nowhere and just attacks the jellyfish and like eating its guts out and stuff. And I'm just sitting there watching it like a David Attenborough Planet Earth documentary. And I'm just like, this is nature. Nature is so cool. <laughs> just geeking out on the beach. Um, but yeah, it was a great trip. It was refreshing. I think I I just needed a change of pace. Uh, I have the travel bug. I've had it for a while now. Um, and, you know, haven't, have definitely traveled for sure. But to go somewhere as unique and different and a place I've never been before um, was was really, really special to me, which was awesome. And now I'm trying to remember why I even started talking about that. Well, I will say this. On the flight out, which is really long, I watched two documentaries. One, I watched The King of Kong again, which is my favorite sports documentary of all time. And it's about the video game Donkey Kong. So you got to watch it. It holds up. It's like a 2004 movie. I've only seen it. I saw it probably like 10 years ago at this point. It totally holds up. It is so ridiculous and so good. So highly recommended that. Um, but then I started rewatching 100 Foot Wave. And I do want to talk about this really quick because I know Catherine and I mentioned it in the episode. If you have not had the opportunity to watch 100 Foot Wave, um, it is, uh, I think it's a six part documentary series on HBO. And it is so good. It is like a great, tremendous adventure documentary um, about this like unique aspect of surfing where these guys are and girls are trying to uh, surf bigger, like progressively bigger and bigger waves. They're like big wave surfers. And I don't know anything about surfing, but you watch it and at like, at both like both parts of you is like whoa surfing looks so cool and relaxing like so awesome and at the same time you're like this is terrifying oh my god like how do they do this it's pretty crazy um basically the idea and it's filmed over like nine years uh it's about this guy garrett mcnamara who visits this small well, I don't know if it's small, but he visits this like non-surfable fishing town in Nazare, Portugal, because this guy sends him an email. He's like, we have the biggest waves in the world. You should come out here. And he visits it and he, he just looks at it. And he's like, there's no way anybody can surf this. These waves are coming in every which direction. They're coming out of this trench from the bottom of the ocean that's like, the size of three grand canyons underneath the water so the waves are like gigantic and they're crashing over this like old lighthouse like on this cliff and it's just a gorgeous setting um and it looks terrifying and the documentary is about him and a small band of surfers uh including his wife his brother-in-law this guy uh Andrew Cotton, Cotty, who's like my favorite character in the whole film. Uh, the He's just a awesome, awesome dude. And it's about this group of surfers just figuring out how in the world they're going 
they're going to surf this area and try to catch the like mythical 100 foot wave. Um, and it's full of just peaceful moments. Like you were watching them when they catch one of these giant waves. It's just like really inspirational in a weird way. It's relaxing. Uh, but then when they don't catch it, it's pure chaos and madness. Um, and basically over the nine years, they develop this spot and they figure it out and it shows their process, um, figuring out how to surf this. And it's just really, really good. It's really well done. There is so much footage that they're pulling from. Um, they're really interesting characters. You can imagine in a sport like surfing and then in like a subcategory of it, of big wave surfing, you just get some really unique perspectives and some unique individuals but the whole thing is fantastic it's one of the best things i've watched or or consumed all year like it was really really fantastic so uh highly recommended there um i think that's gonna wrap up our episode this week hope you guys are as inspired as i am uh catherine is absolutely amazing uh i had a wonderful time talking with her and i'm honored that she would come on the podcast and share her stories with me and share stories with all of you. So thank you all. Uh, We'll get back at you next week.